What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Ridge Raised Outdoors podcast. I have a really good one for you guys today. I drove about four and a half hours down to Southern Ohio for the Mobile Hunter Roadshow and met two guys down there. Ryan Glitzke, he goes by Moose. I'm sure you guys have heard him on some podcasts before. He's a good buddy of mine. And then another guy, Josh Prophet. He's a real cool guy. Um, he's been on some podcasts as well. But uh, we just got a hotel down there, stayed Friday night, and then went to the road show on Saturday and stayed there pretty much all day. It was an awesome time. But yeah, we just recorded this podcast in a in like a two-star hotel. It's pretty funny, but pretty ghetto. Uh, but yeah, we just talk about scrapes and summer trail cameras and uh, just tactics and things like that. So I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, it was it was definitely fun to do it with uh, with the guys that have that much knowledge. But first, I got scripture. It's out of Matthew. It's Matthew twelve thirty. It says, "Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters." So we're going to talk about that later in the episode. But um, yeah, I just thought it was a good time down there meeting with a bunch of like-minded guys talking about whitetails and learning some things and stuff like that. So. But uh, yeah, season season's coming up. It's already June, mid June here, almost end of June, and uh, time to get the cameras out. I already have uh, six or seven out right now, and it's time to get about twenty more out. So um, yeah, this is going to be uh, a pretty informative episode. If you guys definitely want to learn about some summer tactics and scrapes and stuff like that, so let's just get right into it. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Ridge Raised Outdoors podcast. This is episode number 19, and I got uh, two big whitetail hunters with me down here in Ohio. Uh, Moose, uh, he goes by Moose, uh, Ryan Glitzke, and then I have Josh Prophet next to me here. We're kind of like in the, the ghetto yeah. hotel here. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Probably a two-star motel, I would say, oh, yeah. that I picked. <laughs> hey, it was cheap, though. Yeah, so. it was cheap. It'll do a job for the night. Oh, yeah. We, we we drove about four, four or five hours. I drove about four and a half. Josh, you drove what about five? About five. About five and about four and a half. For me. Moose, you, yeah, yeah, about four and a half. Yeah. I hit some traffic pretty bad on the way down, and uh, but it wasn't too bad. Drive wasn't too bad, but yeah, we're gonna talk whitetails. We're down here uh, tomorrow. We have the Mobile Hunter Road Show, and uh, I think we've all been looking forward to that. Oh yeah, it's gonna, gonna be, be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. There's gonna so. be uh, there's gonna be some killers there. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just, uh, let's go from Moose over here to Josh. Just give a little intro about yourself and then, uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Ryan Glitzke, uh, go by, go by Moose, um, from Southwest PA, uh, been pretty much public land hunting for 30 plus years. Um, but I've been, I've gone private, did a couple outfitters, did all that kind of stuff. I've kind of been everywhere, been, you know, done it, killed good bucks pretty much anywhere. Um, pretty just, that's my passion just to. Just chase whitetails, big whitetails now. Yeah, you put a lot of time in on the off season. And yeah, boots on the ground are important. Oh, I think yeah. the guys here sitting here now know the importance of that. Oh, yeah, yep, definitely, definitely. How about you, Josh? So, Josh Prophet, I am from Western Kentucky. <clears throat> I've been hunting about thirty years, public land hunting. You know, hanging and banging about fifteen. Uh, probably bow hunting about twenty-two. So I got a little time under my belt. Gotcha. What do you guys do for work? Uh, I work for Westinghouse Nuclear Fuel. 
Uh, we make uh, fuel or new or fuel excuse me fuel rods for nuclear reactors. Okay. And uh, I actually just retired myself from the coal mines. That's what I've done most of my working career, and uh, checked myself into barber school. So nice. I'm looking at being done in October, and uh, I'm definitely excited about working for myself. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Probably give you a lot more time to do whatever you want. I don't know if. Does it take a lot of your time up, probably, or uh, are you going to have time to hunt, scout, and do whatever? So, I can only hunt with the way my kids, I get my kids every other weekend. Four, gotcha. day, four days a month, that's the, how my whole life's been. Um, but the good news about it is, I, I finished school the first or second weekend of October. Oh, yeah. And uh, I cannot take my state board exam until November 14th. Oh, man. <laughs> so, we're looking at a vacation. Something's going to die. Yeah, yeah. Vacation, there you yeah. go. Okay. Yep. yep. Well, um, we're going to be talking, obviously, about whitetails, but we got uh, stuff on my outline here. We're going to be talking about uh, summer scouting, uh, some trail camera stuff. We were BSing there when we just had uh, dinner. We were all starving when we got here. So uh, we'll be talking about that and then uh, some hanging hunt stuff, maybe, you know, stuff about hanging hunt versus uh, set stands and map scouting and just pretty much whatever. So... Uh, let's just go. Uh, let's first start out with uh, the summer scouting. How's the how's the summer scouting been? Uh, for me, my summer scouting pretty much consists of trail cameras. You know, getting them out, let them soak, check that data, see what kind of quality bucks I got. You know, got around the chase. Um, you know, I uh, I'll, I'll wander off, put some boots in the ground. Still, you, you know what I mean? It, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, you're out there, you see something you want to check out. You know, I'm not a Kind of can get a little tough, gets a little rough sometime in the summer, but it can be done. Uh, but most of my summer is going to be pretty much revolving around my cameras and seeing what kind of bucks I got to chase this fall. Right. Yeah. That. Obviously, your your favorite times in the in the winter. Yeah. February, I, March yeah, time or whatever. Yeah, you put a lot of boots I, in the I ground. For that time of year. It's right. The best time. I think a, a lot of us, all of yeah. us, do pretty much. But you you got to put the time in when it's hot and mosquitoes are biting you and yeah. it just kind of sucks. But you got to get out there. Where, Get the cameras out and scout because you can still find those spots that you missed in the in the winter. So oh yeah, I found good spots in the summer before. Right, um, I was out the other day and mosquitoes were biting me and I was hot sweating, but I was out there for about an hour and a half and probably walked about four miles I think and way back in the swamp. But you just got to do it. It just got to put the time in. Like we mm -hmm. were talking about at dinner, just some guys just they just don't they they just just expect too much. Yeah. You know, they expect yeah. to get out there and, and, and shoot a nice buck, but if you don't put the time in, then uh, I don't think it, it just doesn't work out. So, how about you? Man, the hardest the hardest part about this time of the year is the motivation. The, yeah. the 90 degree yeah. temperatures, yeah. the 95% yeah. humidity. Um, it, you know, like you heard me say, it's, it's only every other weekend for me, so it's four days a month to do everything I gotta do. Um, I've only got three cameras out now. I got three renders out, which is Exodus uh, cell camera. Yep. Um, so we're talking two weeks from the day that we're recording this podcast. I I hope to get five more out. Yeah. Um, okay. And I and I will start glassing some fields, um, some bean fields, probably about mid July. Mm. Um, you know, the the sooner you can get this work done, the the bigger your hit list is. Oh, the, yeah. the better right. idea yeah. you have. Yep. Yeah. To, you know, sure. to know where to go. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I'm a lot like you, Ryan. I, I, I run a lot of my cameras on video mode, 
and that I've done that you know since I was probably coming up through high school but um, with these Exodus cameras that we got mm-hmm. the the video mode um, I know you've talked about that before but yeah, it's hard to beat the lift too oh yeah yeah I run a lot of the cheap cameras and stuff like that but there's nothing that beats that video mode and put it you know hang it up six eight feet on a scrape or something like that but you know not, not many people think that deer hitting scrapes all year round but they are even oh, in the oh, summer yeah. Oh, yeah. right yeah. now especially you get those mock scrapes out and uh you know that's how you get your inventory especially in pa you can't bait on public land mm. game lands and things like that refuge area but um so you have to get inventory somehow and uh, i think that's the best way to do it is uh run it on those scrapes what yep. do you think yeah i mean like i said i've had a couple areas uh, certain areas of public i could run some minerals um but i've kind of gotten away from that because uh for me personally, on some of the mineral looks, I'd get those bucks in the summer, these big velvet bucks, and then they just totally disappear. Disappear. You know, I wouldn't see them ever again. Um, the scrapes a different story. I'm seeing these bucks in the summer. Even if I lose them for a little bit, they come back during the season, especially during the rut. Um, right. Typically, a, a vast majority of the bucks I get in the summer in velvet on scrapes, I will see again come hunting season. Yeah, I, I've heard you uh, talk about another podcast where you, if you get a buck especially you know in the summer and then it you know during the season and if he's not daylighting or if he's if he's you know coming in two three o'clock in the morning you don't really care as long as he's in the air you know he's no, in there yeah especially once the season comes in if i'm getting that buck i'm getting multiple pictures of him you know at night the yeah. big key is multiple pictures right you know, i'm probably in his core area somewhere he just hasn't started daylight yet toward you know usually get towards the end of october november those bucks like that I'll, I'll, I will get an opportunity on eventually, you know. It, it's the multiple pictures right. of them is the key. It's not that one right, right, night yeah, good picture point. of the big buck. It's getting multiple pictures throughout October and, and into November. Those are the bucks there I typically, the first time I see them a lot of times is daylight and I kill them. Right. Yeah, I've had that many times happen. Right. Now, how do you, in Kentucky, Is it, I don't know if it's a little bit different than PA, probably not, but um, how do you run your cameras in the summer? Man, uh... <laughs> tell everybody I hunt like a coyote I hunt for opportunity mm-hmm. okay um, yep. that's one of the best quotes ever <laughs> yeah. uh, I've never been a big one buck guy there's nothing wrong with that oh, right. but yeah. yeah I mean this time of year is the best time to find five shooter bucks running together sure. and there's no better place to find them than on an ag field um, yep more than likely bean field the the downfall to that is you're probably not going to be the only one See right See yeah them. Um, you could right. be, you might not be, so you kind of got to start playing back off that. Um, you know, typically when I find some deer like that, I try to get a game plan. Like they're here right now, but um, where will they go when the pressure hits, or, mm-hmm. or where else are they going? Um, and it's so hard this time of year because some of them bed, some of these bucks, man. I don't care if it's public or private, they bed on the food. Oh yeah. sure, um, yeah. they'll be. In the middle of the beans, I don't yep. know how they do it. They will literally be in the beans, um, or they will be. I've I've seen them right off the beans around um, the edge. Yeah, um, you know we're talking fifteen yards. Yep, just right off the beans. I, I've seen them with spotting scopes, um, literally just appear out of the beans, and I've seen them stand up right on the edge of the beans. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to get them back on their beds, but. I, I typically try to figure out where they're going to go, you know, when their velvet sheds or when the hunting pressure hits. 
so you do more of your summer scouting for ag, but then when you run your cameras, you run them more for closer to the season to, to find out where they're transitioning, right? It just all depends. If I can get an eye on them, I'll start out on the ag fields, and if I think that I can push a little further back, I'll push a little further back. And the deer, a lot of times the deer this year, they will take they will take a lot more pressure. Um, okay. yeah. even, even on the public ground, yeah. um, hmm. you know, they're just – they're a different animal this time of year, so you know yeah. it's good. Our season opens the first weekend of September, and if you can find a deer that's still in his velvet, you know he's, in my opinion, he's really not in his in his right mind. So yeah. you can get away with some mistakes. Um, you can get away with some other people watching or running trail cameras. I don't I don't typically run into people running a lot of cameras on the fields, but what I do run into them is the scouting two weeks before season yeah, we comes in. Okay. Or, yeah. or, 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 yeah. the, or the out-of-state guys that come in, which is probably on public land is 75 to 80% of what I have to deal with. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll be there a few days. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to be you got to be ready for it. Yeah. Right. That, that's what we, we get in PA a lot of times with public land. Um, I don't believe in an October wall. No, the store, no, you know, need yeah. magazine stuff, but I right. do believe in a wall due to pressure, pressure. in PA. What will happen right. is a week or two before the season, guys are hanging stands, scouting, put cameras sure. up, and then big bucks know what's going on. And I, what I've seen is they transition off the public where you're getting a lot of cameras on scrapes or whatever. They'll transition to the lighter uh, pressure project sure. for a while. You'll catch oh, yeah. in bucks come back in the run. That's why, like oh, yeah. myself, I'm such a rut hunter. Yep. Those bucks will catch on to that. And then as the does come in the heat, end of October, stuff like that, they start getting wound up. Then you'll catch them bucks again. But I've noticed mid-October, when I hunt farm country type deal, hill country, mm-hmm. um, on the public there, I get that's where pressure really hurts me. Now, the mountains, big woods, like what's cool here is, Josh, you're kind of what you say, agriculture, hill country, a little bit of mix. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty much yeah. what, It's like the, the thing you dream for. The, yeah. The, I, the hill country ag. Yeah, and <laughs> I hunt some of that, and that's where the pressure hurts me early. But now that I've transitioned a lot to the mountains, big woods, now I don't I get pressure, but I'm getting these bucks daylight. Right. Now I'm getting them off the clear cuts to cover on these scrapes. It's it's cool to see two different uh, habitats, different type, right. different how you hang your camera stuff like that due to pressure. How yeah. we both have to tackle a different way. I'm real curious because this piece I'm hunting on this year, I think there will be some guys take a boat in. Um, but you can, I've walked it one time, and it was about three and a half miles one way. Mm. So you're, yeah. I mean, even if you take a boat, you still got to really, a lot of work. you yeah. still got to really want it. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't been back there this year, so I don't know what's in corn or in beans, and that's where I'm heading when I, you know, two weeks from now. So I do have high hopes of that. Um, but the way that the beans work around here in the Midwest is, man, in my opinion, th- those deer just it, they gravitate to them. Mm-hmm. Sure, they will. The, it'll really congregate the deer up. Um, so you know, until September, it just depends on when them beans are planted. Um, it's so weird. It's like the them green beans, man. They'll the deer will be all over them. But the first leave that turns on them, turns I don't know yellow. what it yep. is. Yeah. It's not the whole field. Yep. It's just the first few that start turning yellow, yep. they're they're done. They're Somewhere done. else, you know, gone. It's like 80% of the field still looks good, but they're done. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. weird. Um, so I, I've i got to really do my you know my home, homework on, on keeping up with them. But it's if you're not hunting a food source, 
and you're not baiting, it is it is hard to kill a buck in September. I don't care what anybody oh, says, yeah. um, because they just they're not going very far. Yeah, and they can let you know they died on over 600 different things. They can almost eat anything. So I'm really banking on trying to find some deer on these beans that aren't going to get messed with. Yeah, right. The thing I the thing I've realized over the last couple of years being up uh, where I moved up to is when I look for like a public land to hunt game lands or whatever, I look for a lot of posted property around it because oh, yeah. that'll yeah. Hold, hold a lot of the deer like you were saying, Ryan. Yeah. It'll hold a lot of the deer during that you know you know Pressure first part yeah. yeah right yeah. they'll move to that and i'm a rut hunter too i think a lot of us from par yeah. because it's just that's just how it is it's kind of how we grew up anyway trying to get better in the early season but um you know i'll look for that posted property near you know public land and uh some of the times you know you get a lot of you get a lot of big bucks on that posted and they'll transition through the public mm-hmm. land and stuff oh, yeah. like that so that's what i yep. look for so um yeah pretty good points there pretty good points um now, when you when you're looking for stuff, what are you looking for? Let's say, obviously you you hunt the big woods and, and stuff like that. And have you been hunting the same hill country for the last couple of years, or do you still kind of bounce around between? Okay, I'll I'll scout this one weekend and I'll go you know 20 miles down the road. This, what do you do in the it, summer? It, like scouting wise, you mean? Scouting wise, kind of before the season. Uh, yeah, a lot of the like the areas where I grew up in hunt based for 30 years, it's like I said, it's a mix of uh, flood bottoms. Um, it's a mix of hill country, ag, it's a lot of different habitat, even a little bit of mi- bigger woods type settings. But that area I kind of know, um, I don't really go in that area too much this time of year. I just let the cameras do. Now, when I get in the big woods and mountains, I have a tendency there uh, to wander off, you could yeah. say, because um, a lot of that's new turf. And you're talking tens and tens of thousands of acres. You'll just never cover right. in a lifetime. And, you know, when I get areas that, it, it all, like I said, revolves around my cameras and scrapes. But I do, well, especially, too, is the acorns. you got to pay attention to acorns. I mean, those, sure. those, those clear cuts are a giant food plot, you know. But those acorns start dropping September, October. you really got to key on those uh, locations, especially off that security cover. you got to key in on those locations. That's something you got to, you, you know, in your summer scouting, checking out also. I'll keep tabs on, especially in the big woods and stuff. Right. So you are you jumping on your phone or the computer? And looking at these areas, obviously you probably are before, but I mean. Yeah, a lot of that's more my post-seed scouting with my e, my e-scouting, you know right. what I mean? Um, but I will in the summer, you know, in areas I'm, I'm you know, maybe I'm going to an area and I want to check something out. You know, I'll, I'll see the clear-cut stuff like that. And, you know, that's a point of reference, and I'll work off of those areas. It's similar in the post-season, too. Those are all points of interest. Um, but typically I work off a lot of those areas. When I, the boots on the ground is typically where I find, you know, what right. I'm looking for. Yeah. And then it you go up on a map, basically. You can say. Right, yeah, you're yeah. Talk about boots in the ground for sure. Um, so you you go back obviously with the history of what you've had on your cameras and stuff too. Yeah. You're a big history Historical guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that as well. Um, I'm I'm real big on you know running the cameras and, and you'll start to you'll start to see over the course of a couple of years either from your cameras or even sitting in the stand you'll start seeing things seeing things. Um, happen the same time every year right um you know it may not be an exact date or two or day or two maybe it's a week period um something i key in on is paying attention to doe groups um you'll watch different doe groups will start coming in heat heat same time every year if 
you can find a couple of those pockets, two or three of those to put in your pocket. You know, this group of dough in this area come in, you know, maybe end of that last week of October, an early dough or two come in. And, you know, those families, seems like those family group of does will do the same thing every year. Yep. And then you find another pocket maybe comes in that first week of November. You know, if you can find a couple little places like that, um, that's something really to key in off your historical data. Um, Bucks-wise, yeah, if you get the same buck multiple years in a row, he's going to do the same thing pretty much the same day a lot of times you see. But a lot of times I see it in areas that, you know, in PA, a lot of our bucks are pretty much two and a half, three, they're getting knocked off. They're going to kill the gun season, right. whatever. But what I do, if it, you know, you said you have a three, four-year-old choking on camera on that scrape, say November 7th, the following year, he might be dead, but I'll have another buck at the same time. Sure. I've seen that a lot. You know, if the conditions are similar, you don't have like a heat wave or something like that or a crazy acorn crop that, that changes some stuff, um, you'll see that. Might not be the same buck, but you'll see a good buck show up in that general area again, same time frame. Right. When a doe has her fawns, they'll come into heat the exact time she does. Yeah, that from so, my, from so, what I believe, so, yes. Right, yes. right. So from yeah. that story, that's all what I've there, seen. Yeah. Right. So that's why you're you're pinpointing on those certain days mm -hmm. when they yeah. probably are in heat. Usually they'll when they have their fawns, those fawns will you know next year, the year after, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's why the rut always happens around those certain areas around that yeah. certain time. Yeah, yeah. You can find them a little key on it, like me. I like the key on the does. It's like you're getting them trail camera pictures. Them big bucks are nice, but man, if I'm getting a bunch of does on a scrape, I know oh, yeah. where I'm going to be. Right, right. Now, Josh, are you more of like a early season? Got kind of guy because your 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 guys' season opens a lot earlier than ours does. Obviously, about three four weeks uh, in September. Um, do you like that early season or do you kind of like the rut like we do? I mean, I'm a rut guy. I mean, nothing yeah. nothing. Amen. It's just, it's just magical. But oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm really 365 days a year. Like I I'm, yeah. I don't get into to elk hunting, I don't get right, into going yeah. out west. Yeah. And, and if I'm just shooting everybody straight, it's because I can stay busy with with whitetail. Yes, yeah, right. um, yeah. And I'm good with that, you know. Yeah, um, and like Ryan was talking about, you there's 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 nothing better than getting your boots on the ground. Like you can look at maps, you can you you could be on the same piece of property your whole life, but things the things do change. Some things oh, yeah, stay the sure. same. Um, so there, that's my favorite thing to do is just walk. Yeah. Um, you know, most of my days are, are 10 mile days. Um, that's okay. about when I start getting tired. I know when I start getting tired, I can look at my phone and I'm over nine miles. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Be I'm between, I'm between nine and 12. That's about yeah. where I'm at. Usually about that nine mile mark. You're starting to feel right. Um, but I don't, I don't penetrate real deep a lot in September because I don't feel like I need to. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm scouting early, um, you know, August and September, I will walk the roads. I'll walk the edges mm -hmm. of the fields um, because I feel like that's personally what I need to do. Now, when October hits, you know, people call me crazy, but I don't walk. I look for my shortest distances from camera to camera or stand to stand, and I just cut through the woods. Um, and I don't care if it's through what I think is a bedding area or not a bedding area. I do it because that's where... You know, I, I have found my success a lot of times in some of my mistakes. Not necessarily mistakes I made where I was tired, or but I was I was trying, but I messed up. Um, and there's nothing better. You find the best sign when you're just walking around. I mean, there's oh yeah, you know, yeah. it's like Ryan said. There's there's some ridges every year that are tore up, and you can almost bank on it that it's going to be good no matter what. 
And then there's other places that you walk into that you're cutting around and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. like this ain't never looked like right. this here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. these trees ain't never been yeah. rubbed on. Yep. Right. And then you would have never known that if, if you didn't take that adventure. And, um, you know, for, for my full season of whitetail, and I'm just talking deer, I haven't kept up with it in the last time, but um, the minimum I've ever walked was 800 miles. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, a so a lot of times it was over 1,000, um, and most of that time was, was checking trail cameras, but that's, you know, that's what worked good for me. I, I stacked my odds, and I always knew the four or 500 acres where there was honestly six to ten good bucks on it and that's where i killed that's how i was able you know i killed six five or six years in a row mm-hmm. and two 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 of these years in a row were with a longbow and it's because i was scouting and i knew i knew where the bucks were at yeah right. the, i said before i think you got to learn guys got to need to learn to do is they didn't see scouting is really important but you need to take that postseason scouting take that summer and fall camera intel and your in-season scouting. Sure. Put that all together. Oh yeah. When oh, you're yeah. doing that in-season, you're seeing that oh, stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go back to the trick trail. Like you have, you have six, eight shooters there. Your in-season scout comes to play. Your post-season scout comes into play. It all comes to play. Put all those puzzle pieces together. You're going to know where you need to be to kill a deer. You know, that's right. what you got to do. You got to learn to use all of that. That's why we do, like us guys here, we're eating up white tails. It's 365. Yep. It's the post-season. It's the cameras. It's the, it's the hunting itself. It's the in-season. It's all ties in together. That's what gets you consistently killing whitetails every year. It's um, it you know people, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard, oh, yeah. and it's probably a lot harder for these two guys I'm sitting with than it is for me, just because I, I have a lot better state to hunt in. But it's not rocket science. It's, there's three things that I think personally a deer has to have survive. Number one is is his safety. That's yep. what, that's his number yep. one goal is to yep. Yep. avoid predators. Number two is that's that dude's got to eat food, and I don't care. I don't care how many people's hunting it. A deer will come into a field. It may be at midnight, but he'll come into a field. So you got to know where he's eating. And number three is the hardest is where where are they bedding because yeah. if I'm shooting everybody straight, you know we could blow smoke and mirrors. But they can really bet anywhere. That's what I. That, I, I re- yeah. I've jumped more yeah. bucks in yeah. places yeah. that where I yeah. made absolutely. I've literally jumped a hundred and fifty inch deer on a walking trip. Yeah, I've seen textbooks like we all you know off the points of the ridges and stuff like that. Secondary ridges, you see these bucks bedding with the wind and you know over their back. You, you, you know we we all know that what the what the bet game is. I've seen that, and I have seen the complete. <laughs> complete opposite I've seen these bucks do. You know what I mean? I think it's regional based sometimes. You know, some of these big hill yep. country bucks, I think you can kind of dictate a little bit more where they're at. You start getting into the farm country and stuff, sometimes in your ag culture, you know, you have that, yeah. all those transition, all those edges, different cover. That's a different ball game there. That You can pull your hair out chasing the bed game. Now, there's guys that mastered it, don't get them good at it. But for myself, like probably talk for you guys, I don't... I, I'm going to hunt a bedding area, sure. not a bed. That's, right. and that's what I key on. I want thick cover. I see a big, thick patch of 5, 10 acres. And it could be in farm country. It could be in the big woods. I'm going to tell you, there's probably a good bucker in those. There's going to be deer in there. You know, I don't consider it just a buck's going to be or just a doe going to be in there. It's probably going to hold something pretty good. And that's what I yep. like to concentrate on. Thick, nasty cover, security cover. That's what you key in on. You know, right. that, I think you'll be successful. Instead of maybe not chasing a specific bed, 
you know, looking or a, for bad or, areas. Or a buck, like Josh was saying, maybe not a specific buck, but a, bu- a betting it area. Gives you, you know opportunities. Gives you more opportunities yes. at yes. a buck, yeah, not exactly. the buck. Yep. Uh, yes. You know, and man, get to know your deer, find you a dumb deer. <laughs> I have no so, problem if he's if he's so, 150 dumb deer. I'm fine with that. The, the, this is the, that's funny. The the biggest deer I ever hunted. I'd say he was around 170, and he died when he was five. I, I believe he was five. He died when he was five. I seen he's the only Boone and Crockett deer I've seen. I seen him twice from the stand, and I seen him once shed hunting. And dude, that deer he was just not smart. If I would yeah. if I would have had more time yeah. to hunt, I, I could have killed the deer in October. Yeah. I, but I couldn't go. But every other weekend, yeah. and it was, I know it was just cat and mouse. He was on this ridge, and I was on this one. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I knew he was close. Um, but I mean, there's things you know. It, it goes to talking about these beds. Some of these deer are just smarter than other yeah, deer. Yeah. Well, just sure. just yeah. straight up. Sure, they have personalities just like sure. people. Like some are just timid. Some are aggressive. You know, the aggressive ones are probably the ones we end up putting an arrow through. Yep. You know, and the timid ones are the sure. ones you, that do the textbook stuff you read about and everything else that are really hard to kill. You know, play the wind in their favor all the time. But like I said, I get bucks. You know, I've hunted in, you know, multiple Midwest states, hunting PA. I've seen them use the wind, and I've seen the wind up the rear ends come, and it's like, that makes right. no sense. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's everything. Yeah, they did everything. You know, I watch them do everything that you're told they don't do. I see them right. do, you know. Definitely. Yep, you know? yep. Now, Josh, let's go back to you. You were on a, a podcast with, uh, uh, what, Truth From The Stand. Clint. 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 Um, you were talking, I think his title was the three W's. Do you want to hit on that a little bit? So that's or just something. You kind of talked about it, like, <clears throat> what, five five minutes ago that's or so. It's just but. something I come up with on my own, just like uh, when, where, and why. Like, when is the buck there? Uh, you know, why is he there, and where is he going? And sometimes you can figure all that out and not kill anything, and sometimes you can't figure out, but hardly any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, but that's what I try to do. I try to go in an area and I try to simplify it. Like, you know, what when is this deer here? Mm-hmm. Is is he here during shooting hours? Um, why is he here? Why? Why am I getting pictures of this deer here at this time? Or, and then, well, where's he coming from? Where's he going? Um, and if you can try to put those, and I have, I've had, I've had good luck with that. I had a, a clear cut on some private ground that I that I hunted off of, and it the the deer were coming over and they were eating acorns on on the public land, and they were bedding on on a steep, uh, clear cut hillside, mm-hmm. and. I, it wasn't easy, but that's I, I knew what the deer were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I killed a deer back in there doing that, and I seen man, I got so many daytime pictures of bucks doing that. So, I mean, just don't overthink it. You know, just think about you know <clears throat> when's the deer there, why is he there, and where is he going? Like you can't just go in a spot. I used to I talk about this all the time when I was younger, and it just felt good looked good, it felt good, and I would hunt it. And sometimes it was good, and sometimes it wasn't, but I never put no thought into why it looked good or mm-hmm. why it felt good or, you know. Yeah, so, I think that's some great advice for... I mean, and you can even do that, you know, with your with your trail camera. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, when, when do I think this deer is going to be here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, where do I think he's going to come from? Yeah. 
And you know why? You know why is he here? Is this a scrape? Is this a transitional area? Is this a, a, a destination uh, food plot or field? Or I don't know. I I've literally hung cameras um, strictly off map placement, just trying to grid some property out. And I've got Boone and Crockett deer in the daylight on a place to where I couldn't even figure out why they were there. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was just trying yeah. to, I had so many cameras, I was just trying to grid it out, yeah. and I was like, that makes no sense for this deer to be yeah, right yeah. here in this drainage yeah. at the end of September at 11 o'clock in the day. Like, clearly he's not bedded too far, but yeah. why is right. he here? Right, yeah. right. I got some great advice, like, for new guys in office. Like, you take your three W's, you know, if you're in a postseason, like you said, your cameras, your in-season, use those three Y's, like you said. That would that, that'd really help a lot of guys out to, you know, Put the put the piece of the puzzle together. I think. I think a, one thing I see, and I hate to say it, man, because the the podcast and the hunting industry is so saturated. Like it's hard to do a podcast and not talk about the same thing yeah, that yeah, yep. somebody We've else been talked on about. We know. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I'm start. What I start to see is, is a lot of people bashing other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy's done yep. killed two 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 year old deer, and he's on three podcasts. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah. Do you know how hard he worked for them two-year-old deer? Right, right, right. I just seen you. You killed one with a rifle last year. How are you going (laughs) to compare this guy over here in PA that shot a two-year-old deer? Right, right, right. Um, right. And I think a lot of these guys, you know, I just call it for what it is. They they go out and they, they bust their tail all year, and then they say, well, I would rather be lucky than good any day. Really? I mean, would, would you really? Yeah. Or did you kill that deer because you were luck? Or did you did you kill that deer because you worked your ass off? Right. Like, call it for what, if you're out there in the summer grinding it out, you're out there in the fall grinding it out, like, sounds like to me you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yes. Right. Right. It's, you're, you're, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for guys that bust their ass off. They may not kill every year. But I have a ton of respect for guys like that. I, for me personally, I have a lot of respect for the guys that put the work in. I don't give a shit if they tie or not. I care less about that stuff. It, I have a lot of respect for guys that put the work in, you know, because I know how hard it is. You oh, know, yeah. living in PA, putting many miles and hours I do, and I know how hard it is. When we talked at dinner here, you know, I understand we're in a little different area than you, Josh, but, you know, we talked, you know, I, I put on average, you know, postseason, I'm about 150 plus miles, you know, probably that many in, in the summer putting cameras up. And God knows how many hours in a tree and miles in the fall. And I may honestly legit get one or two opportunities, yep. if it's a good season, yep. at a Pope and Young Deer. Sure. I mean, you know, and that's what I think a lot of people get caught up with this big buck stuff. Um, certain areas of country, yes, it, it, I've hunted the Midwest in certain spots. It is easier. I'm not saying guys don't work for it, but it is easier. But like you said, you see this bashing sometimes. There's no need for it because everybody's region is different. you got to put, you know what I mean? Yep. Some of us... You know, you go, be proud of a 105-inch deer. Sure. You know, be damn proud of it. If it's 150, be proud of it. You know what I mean? Don't worry about what the other guy thinks or says or anything like that. You know what I mean? I, like you said, Josh, you see a lot of that now. And that's, you really I, it drives me nuts, too. Because, um, uh, like, in certain areas, it's hard to kill a two-year-old in yep. some of these areas. Yes. You know, even yep. our state, we, we've got some good bucks now in the interstitials. There's other, other parts, you know, the northeast. Those guys... It's hard to even see a deer. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So Right, right. Well, I catch a lot of guys from down south and the, some of the east coast, a lot of guys from down south, 
and a lot of them will shoot a two and a half year old deer and they do it pretty easily yeah you know we're talking two and a half year old deer some of them may be 130 inch deer some yeah. of them may be 120 125 yeah. Yeah. and i used to, when i was younger i used to kind of get tore up over it but man I've, I've heard this and i'm not joking i bet i've heard it 50 times that's the biggest deer i've ever seen yeah yep. no that's our yep. that's our six-year-old deer back yeah. home in georgia sure. or we don't i ain't never seen a deer this big yeah. in florida so how could yeah. you get mad about somebody like that and yeah. you know i went from killing all them deer every year in a row and i this will be my third year not killing one and i i kind of put myself on a pedestal and now i just look at it as you know so what yeah yep. so now i got yeah now i learned something now okay how can i do what can i change this year mm -hmm. okay now i got more time to scout okay now i know i didn't kill this year but I know more about the area, so what can I do different? I think the attitude has a lot to do with hunting as a group, as an individual community, and I think that uh, that we all need to have that attitude. We yep. all need to have a good attitude. Yep. Right. I know I haven't killed a buck with my bow in PA since 2018. Uh, that was the year that I killed that seven and a half year old. Mm -hmm. It was barely a hundred inches. Oh, yeah. The bases yeah. were, you know, like pop yeah. cans. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you know, I killed a couple of Texas and stuff like that, but I had a real rough, rough season last year where mm -hmm. I, I missed a big buck with my bow on public. I hit my number one buck, didn't find yeah, it, hit a doe, didn't yeah. find her. So, you know, sometimes your season is just, you do everything right. You get opportunities. I, I got my two opportunities. And I, you know, yeah. it didn't, it just didn't come yeah. together. So, yeah. I mean, put the time in and, and sometimes it just, I'm sure you, you put a lot of time in, you had your opportunities, but it just didn't come together. Sometimes it just, yeah. that's what it's all about. It just, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah, but, you have to be realistic in this. It's like me, I put it, like you said, we put a ton of hours in. Yep. It doesn't guarantee nothing. You're hunting a wild animal. It, it on public too, with pressure, it, there's no guarantees. You can just have a bad year and it only takes one deflection of your air off a limb yep. or That's something it. like that and that, that was your season you got to accept that but yep. like me myself you know it, it's cool getting on these podcasts and doing stuff but uh i put pressure on myself to perform yeah but at the end of the day end of the season if i have a tag in my pocket i'm okay with that because sure. i busted my ass off the whole yep. year yeah you know, i'm yep. okay with that i feel and like i have close friends right that respect me because yep. the work i put in that's what yep. means a lot to me i feel like what Ryan's trying to say is he he doesn't give a shit what anybody else is doing. He's not competing with them. No. He's, he's competing no. with himself. Yeah, that's yeah. how I've always been that, and it, you know I've always always been that way. You know? And like I, I've seen Ryan go to Ohio since I've known him. I've seen him go to Iowa, and like I never leave my state because my my state is it's it's good. Mm -hmm. But what separates me from my close friends is, and I tell them this is I go where the deer are at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I only know that because I scout so much. And you know, my two of my two buddies that I hunt with most—they well, I'm not—it's just too far of a drive. Yeah. Well, let me know how your season how right. your season ends up. Yeah. Um, you know, there was 2019. I was spending $500 a weekend. I was oh, yeah. I was driving two hours one way to a piece, either camping till I couldn't camp no more, or getting a hotel room, and it was costing me. Um, and I thought that's was where I needed to be. Um, I had some 200 inch deer on camera, but turns out that I like the, the, I like the density over the quality. I'd yeah. rather have 10 
150 or 140 inch deer to hunt than one 180. That's yeah. just me. Yeah. yeah. So you know you got to figure out you know if if you really are wanting to to kill these deer like in, if you're over there in PA or some of these states or West Virginia or anywhere like that that's got decent deer hunting like you may you may have to venture out. Yeah. It, yeah. it just all depends on what you want to do because. Yeah. I can tell you, if, if you grind it out pretty hard over there in the mountains or anywhere where they're from, and you come over here to where I am, it's you're going to be amazed at how it's just going to be easier. Yeah, I mean, I'm shooting what, you straight. Yeah, I mean, the last, you know, I've traveled in the Midwest. I've hunted, you know, like I said, on my younger days, I went to an outfitter too, and then I, I, I got a pretty nice place in Iowa I hunt. I've hunted Ohio. I've killed bucks everywhere pretty much in the Midwest where I've showed up. But last decade, I've kind of, you know, life threw me some curveballs, and I pretty much just hunted PA. Yeah. Now the point like Josh is, I'm trying to expand to Ohio. You know, you know, I go to Iowa occasionally, New York. Like I'm trying to expand now to get more opportunities. And it's just at the end of the day, it's how bad you want it. I mean, like here's a perfect example. How you know, guys are listening to this podcast, how to become a better hunter. We all drove four, four and a half hours to go to yeah. this event. Reason yeah. I'm going to this event is because there's gonna be some be the best around, of the best. Yep, best you, of the best you, people. You yep. get better putting yourself around people sure. better than you. You know yep. what I mean? That's why we're coming to this event. Is to, is to talk to some of these individuals here that are just straight up killers and, and pick their brains. You know that's how you become better. Be a student of the game, and uh, you know keep an open mind. You'll be a better hunter. Yeah, I think we are all looking forward to it. But you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, should I go to the PA one or should I go down like we were talking about at dinner, or should I come down to Ohio? And you know, I think the Butler one or whatever was like two hours from me, yeah. or I could drive this four and a half like yeah. I did today and put myself in a better group of people and, yep. and talk and listen and and learn from them but like you said you just got to put yourself around the right people and get in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. so um but let's uh let's jump to uh like some hang and hunt stuff i know we're i know we're uh obviously going to the to the road show tomorrow we're going to be looking at the new gear that 0.75 came out yep. mine's uh i pre-ordered mine mine's uh should be here monday it's funny because you talked about buying the buying it off me, and of course it's gonna come the week after yeah, we uh, yeah we'll right up. we'll have to meet up. But yeah. anyway, um, you know we're going down to this event and pretty much talking about nothing but hanging hunt. So let's talk on that, and uh, then we'll kind of get uh, into like the stationary stands and things and and whatnot. But um, whoever wants to start with that, you can go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Um, so let's. That's pretty much all. I've been using the Lone Wolf for 15 years. Um, I've been strictly hanging, hanging, banging for for 15 years, um, and they're, they're it's changed so much. Um, I still miss my old assault just because the platform was so big. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 260 pounds, 510. Some of these stands I see, I can't even get my nutsack on. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how these guys sit in them. <laughs> Uh, but more power to them. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little bit more traditional. I do run the new uh, Lone Wolf Custom 1.0. I don't want to. I, I don't want to go any smaller. I run four mini sticks. I, I don't ever get high. I just try to get in the right tree. If I can't get in the right tree, then I just don't hunt. And a lot of that goes back to when I shot traditional. I just I couldn't get over 15 foot because it yeah. really right. messed with my depth perception because the way I shot instinctive and I just couldn't hit anything. Right. So. Um, I don't get real high, and man, I'm not I'm not this guy that I'm not too too trendy. I, I don't care. I can pack the weight. Um, now, obviously, I don't want no hundred pound pack, but I'm not going to one stick 
all the way up a tree just, no. just because I don't want to pack three no, more. Right. right. I'm right. not going to do Guys like our size, the one stick yeah. to me, we're going to be sweating our nuts off pretty bad <laughs> on the one stick thing. Right. That, just, that sounds like a lot of work. You know, yeah. mo- most of these places I was going, the WMA I hunted last year was over a two-mile walk one way. Um, so you're looking at an all-day trip. So if I pack stuff, realistically, for me to sit all day, we're talking – a gallon of water because I drank a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that weighs. That's heavy as hell right there in itself. Yeah. And then I got to keep my phone charged because that's how, if I'm being honest, that's how I stay out there all day. <laughs> right. So I'm packing right. a big external battery, <laughs> right. my binoculars. I ain't going nowhere without my camera, my stand, my four sticks, my bows. It's a it's a lot heavier setup than some of these guys are running, but I know I'm more comfortable. I, it's, I there, there's right, no right, way I'm right. not because. I, my buddies that I've hunted with will text me and be like, oh, man, you ain't out yet? I'm like, no, I ain't coming out. <laughs> I ain't, I, I'm not coming out. Oh, okay. And then, <clears throat> but I can't really pinpoint things and tell you what to do. Um, a lot of times I do not walk into an area with a stand just to hang and hunt, scout, scout my way in. I do not do that. Most of my stuff is found two weeks before I hunt it, and it's found where I'm checking my trail cameras. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, yeah. um, now I have went in, um, and I've tried to hang and hunt, and I don't, I don't guess I've ever been successful doing that, just trying to scout my way in. I think mm-hmm. I've had some good hunts, but I don't ever kill. But like last year, um, I went in, it was early September, the beans were still green, some of the bucks were still in velvet, and I, I Pick, I, I figured these bucks were, were bedding in the swamp and they were coming up into these beans. Well, I, I wasn't going to hunt the field, so I, I bumped down in this swamp and all I was going to try to do was look for some big tracks, some big tracks, some good runs, try to cut these deer off. And I, I figured that if I jumped a deer, I'd definitely see it or hear it. Mm-hmm. And um, I went back to the truck and went home. I didn't hunt. So I just felt like it was going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. But so when I hang and hunt, I, I'm telling you what I use, and I'm I'm saying that most of my most of my setups are found in advance. Um, I may run into a good area, run some cameras in there, or go to be, put some cameras in there and find something I'm just tore up over, and then you know I'm coming back either tomorrow or two weeks from now, and and that's how I've killed. Everyone, my dear. So what you're saying is you already do your scouting, you run your cameras and stuff, but you, when you're walking around scouting, you're looking for trees that you can hang in. Is that what you're saying? Or do you just, when you run that camera and you check it and you have an area, you already know kind of where you're going? Like, you don't just not scout an area and then go in and try to hunt it, right? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm looking for sign. When I find the sign, I, try, I find the tree. You know, a lot of these times you can't go, you know, there's – same way with every hunter. There's a lot of places you want to be, but you can't be beca- go because of the wind. Yeah, right. Firm. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, but I, I always got a backup plan B, black backup yeah. plan C. But they're I don't feel like they're never as good as where I wanted to go. And I found my best success when I really push that envelope in the mailbox. Like I'm riding the line. Like yeah. when this buck's coming in. He may that wind better not swirl. Yeah, I'm I, done. Yeah, right. I'm I'm like that in a rut. I'm very aggressive. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna have the wind blowing through the damn bedding area of the creek crossing, but it's just gonna be off. You know, I've done it many a times and killed. You know, you're you're flirting on 
flirting with the devil there, but you know, it's paid off many times. I got being aggressive. I only seen one shooter deer this year, and I hunted a lot. Um, I hunted a lot during the rut, and my buddy ended up killing the deer later in the year. Um, it's probably a four or five year old. It's 145 inch eight pointer, and he was the only buck I seen. And I'm telling you, it was a thread and a needle on him busting me. Mm-hmm. And there was at one point. I'm still not sure if he got my wind, um, but the hunt was great. Um, I just, I didn't pull the trigger. The deer was close enough. I'm so used to hunting traditional equipment when the deer's standing there at 40 yards, it looked like it was 60. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The good news, the good thing about the hunt was I did have my daughter with me. She's 14, so it was just a, it was a really good experience, but I mean, the way that that buck come up out of this drainage, out of this draw onto this, on this ridge, I mean, I knew, I figured where they were going to come from. He come from one of the two directions. He come, he did just like I thought he would do, and my wind done just like I thought it would do. And I'm, if I had to guess, he winded me. Mm-hmm. Um, he never boogered up, but I did see, I did yeah. see him freeze up for a long yeah. period. He knew something was up. Yeah, right. and it was never enough. He, he, I don't even know if he caught enough to even know it was me or just like I don't know what it was, but. He did, I could tell that he thought something was up, but I mean it was whatever November the fourth. Yeah. It wasn't enough. I mean he just went about his way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had that deer at 41 yards and I let it walk in the wide open and you know after the hunt was done, I, yeah I'm not even used to using a rangefinder, so mm-hmm. I was like I wonder yeah. how far that was. Right. And I pulled my rangefinder out <laughs> and it was Shit. like 40.5 and I'm like. Uh-oh. No way. 41, 41, 41. Second guess yourself. And then I, I look at my daughter, and she, you know, she's she hunts with me. She don't know a lot about it. She goes, was that deer not close enough to shoot? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was. Yep. Oh, man. Well, what about you, Moose? Do you, what do you do about, like, how long have you done hanging hunts for, and how do you go uh, about that? Well, stuff? I think this would be year 31 for me. Um like I said, I pretty much have always hung the public um, here in PA. Um, pretty much, I've, I've always been mobile since the start of it. You know, I started bow hunting when I was 16 and, you know, had the climber. I remember yep. uh, I had the uh, lone wolf, I had an API, I forget what the name of it was. Lugging that thing must weigh like 26, 28 pounds. Lugged that around. Then I, I did a little bit of the presets for a while. I'd get, you know, I'd, I'd hang a dozen, 14, 15 stands sometimes, you know, presets. Um, and that was, I guess you still was mobile, bouncing around between those, because I got tired of lugging that damn heavy oh, yeah. cl- climber in at times, and I did that. And I, st- I had a lone wolf, I think I had the assault, you know, with the sticks, the old lone wolf stuff there. Um, and then uh, then lately here, I've trained just in the custom gear. Um, they've kind of hit a home run with that, in my personal opinion. I actually, even for my size, I ran a .5 last year. With, Ain't no way. Yeah, I ran, <laughs> Ain't no way. Ain't no way. I, you stood a, on the I got pictures, with, too. I you just, stood on it with one leg. I, I, I ran a .5 with, with three doubles and eighters. And to um, be honest with you, I was okay. It was, you know, it's not the greatest thing to sit all day in. Let me, don't, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but that new 7.5, that's yeah, getting off you. Right, that, right, I think right. that's going to yep. be the cat's ass. I'm yep. going to run four. I'm going to run four 17 minis. Um, I don't think I'm putting any eighters on mine. I think it'd get about probably 16 foot. Give yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I think I'm going to run maybe a, uh, I am going to carry a three-step eighter with me. If I need to get up a little bit more in a situation, I will. Sometimes in this big woods, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. You get into some more mature timber. 
Um, you know, I'm always looking for that tree, that, that double trunk, triple trunk, something like that. Sometimes it's not there. Maybe I need to get up a little higher. Right, if I have right. that eater with me, I can get up maybe that 18, 19, 20 foot mark. Yep. Um, but I'm big. Like a lot of people know me from rut hunting. Um, a lot of people know I will grind it out. I will hunt dark to dark for however long it takes to kill a buck. That's how I'm geared. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to sit in the same spot for three weeks in a row. Um, definitely what I like to do, I stay mobile, um, but I may give a spot two or three days. If I feel I'm confident and that area is good and I get in, get out, conditions are right, I will hunt that day multiple days. Um, we all talk about first time in's great. I've killed them first time in. I've killed them a week later in the same yeah, spot. You yep. know, it just depends. Yep. But um, being mobile is, is important. I um, don't want to be getting married to a spot. Um, even a rut, um, you know, you can get, you know, everybody think the rut, you can get lucky. It's all luck. It's not. There is a lot of skill, you know, involved in that, in my personal opinion. But um, you need to stay mobile. You can burn areas out, especially if you're not paying attention to your access. Access is a big I think access is the number one thing that kills most guys, in my opinion, um, in areas, especially in a rut. Um, if you're gonna hunt the same spot or something like that, make sure your access is area right. is good. Yeah. When you pay attention to areas, you, you got to have the conditions right to do it in that area. That's why um, I'm mobile, but I like to hunt uh, hub style areas, stuff like that. I can bounce around those couple spots like that, where just a couple things come together, terrain, habitat, stuff like that. You got a couple of those in your pocket. You know where those are, add some cover, stuff like that. And, you know, you, you limit yourself to, like I said, I've told guys before, if I have 10 days to hunt, you know, I'm not going to hunt 10 stands. I may hunt three or four. Okay. Maybe five. You know what I mean? I'm yep. going to pick the best. Like, i got two weeks left. I want the best of the best. Those are the stands I'm going to rotate through. You know what I mean? I'm yep. putting all my eggs in my own basket. That's where I'm hunting. You know, and if I get in an area that it's, it, that, you know, it, I'm seeing activity, my cameras are telling me everything, everything's telling not necessarily a sign. you got to watch that a little bit too. But my cameras are telling me stuff, and I just feel good. I'm seeing does. I'm seeing some young bucks, some two-year-olds cruising and stuff. I'm going to stick it out in the area for a little bit if anything's sure. right because I'm going to kill eventually. You know, I'm sure. pretty confident areas like that put my time in. Right. Um, I'm going to be running the .5. I, this is the second or third year I've ran that. I'm a smaller dude. I'm only 5'6", 170 pounds, so it kind of fits me good. But I did pre-order that .75, mm -hmm. like I said. Um, I'm going to check that out a little bit. We'll be able to check it out at the show tomorrow, yeah, which will be, be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Yep. Um, but I do have the... Uh, 1.0 seat on there so it's a little oh, bit thicker yeah. it's bigger yeah. it's a lot more comfortable um for those long day sits and stuff like that but um i know you talked about it earlier uh you do mobile hunt like in the early season and stuff like that but you do have those set stands now yeah i run i i've actually this year i'll run probably between four and five presets okay now, these now is, where are you putting those at like, yeah those areas there this is like i said i've transitioned over the last couple years to the actual big woods mountain areas areas where i originally hunt was like i told you a mix of, of, of flood river bottoms yeah. hill country it's a bigger chunk of woods but agriculture those areas have been hunting 30 years and to be honest with you i get a good buck on camera i have a handful of spots if they're there on camera, nighttime or daylight, I feel confident. Put a couple days, I'm gonna kill them. That's yeah, typically what's yeah, happened the last yeah. couple of years. Um, those areas are typically between doe bedding areas or bedding areas in general. We've talked about that. You know, a deer's gonna bed in a bedding area, buck or doe. But um, those areas are basically I'm centered in maybe a terrain type feature hub in between doe bedding or bedding areas. Excuse me. You catch them bucks cruising. You yeah, know, okay. you get anywhere from year and a half to whatever age cruising through those. You know, I do really good midday. Um, I, I do real good in those spots midday cruising during the rut. End of October, go all the way through the end of the season, you know, the rut wise in PA here, you know, with midnight work, where we are right. at 19, 20th right. of November. Um, I've done real good. No spots in my presets. Um, to be honest, when you're running mobile every day, like you're up in the mountains, big woods, like you're saying, Josh, you know, you, 
you know, we're bigger guys, you know what I mean? But, you know, you got 20, 30 pounds on your back between your lunch, your water, everything else. Some days, you know, after grinding it out, you know, and you know, I get a couple good bucks over there. And it's November 9th, 10th, 11th, you've been grinding hard. Oh, yeah. It's nice to go to a preset. Oh, yeah. I'm not arguing. It's nice. Three days is all it takes to wear me out. Yeah. Of, of an yeah. hour drive there, oh, an yeah. hour sure. walk. Yeah, sure. That's all I about. Three, three, three days. Yep. That's yep. what it is. By day three, yeah. I'm like I'm I'm really having to tap in on my, my on my brain on my mind. Oh yeah, because it's mental. Yeah, I, I, I I mean I'll grind and go and go and go dark to dark for weeks on end. I mean we're like one thing I, I'm 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 a big advocate of Sunday hunting in PA. Um, it is nice to take that day off, middle rut sometimes right. to recoup. Right. Um, but what I've learned is I go 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 go, and like anybody, it beats you down, wears you out mentally, physically wise. You know what? It's gonna pour down rain tomorrow. I'm a hard ass, but it ain't that hard. I'm gonna take a morning yep. off. Yeah, you know, because I've never been person done really right. good in rain or certain conditions. You know, maybe get a, a warm weather streak goes through for a couple of days. You know what? Right in the middle of that, I may take a morning or afternoon sure. off. You know what? I've taken afternoons off. I run to McDonald's, get something nasty to eat, grab a milkshake, and just chill out for an evening. Right. And man, that just that resets you to go oh, a yeah. more days. Yep. And I was gonna touch on something you were talking about how you kind of hang in an area for a few days. I've heard the same things you said. Like your bet, your the best hunt's your first hunt. Yeah. Uh, I won't. I'm always moving. And there's a little truth there, but there's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because I see it too much here, and I know in the big woods it's worse. It may take these bucks four or five yeah. days to get yeah. back to a ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Circle back around. people yeah. don't. They don't think about that. They yeah. don't. It's more like you said about your, your access, what you're leaving on the ground, yeah, yep. how you're coming, yeah. how you're going. Uh, you're only going to be as you're only you're you're only going to be as successful as good as you are. So you need to really be careful, you know, when you're coming in and out of these spots because, you know, I was telling Chad, um, I said, man, I got a ridge you can set on as long as the wind's good. If you can set there, you're, I, I can promise you, yeah. you're going to shoot something yeah. in a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I can't, I just can't sit, yeah. sit there that long. Yeah. And I, and I get it. Yeah. But, um, so I think there's a little bit of a myth there, yeah. but you just got to play it smart. And it goes back to, you know, what Ryan said. I, I talk about this all the time. D- day three of me hanging and banging dark to dark. I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah. And I don't care. There's been some great mornings where I slept in till nine o'clock and hunted that afternoon. Yeah. There's been some days when I did, or I felt like crap, and only checked a few cameras and didn't yeah. hunt at all. Yeah, we're um, all human. We all we because all, we're when all you there. when you there's a difference in making mistakes when you're trying and, and making mistakes when you're sloppy. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I I learn the most when I'm making my mistakes when I'm trying. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, getting back to that too, like with like you know, sometimes I'll like I said I'll hunt multiple days in the same area. You remember sometimes when you're in these big wood settings and in the mountain settings, there's low deer density. Like you exactly. said, it takes a while for that deer, and sure. there's not a lot of deer crossing your even your access. Maybe I'm, I'm assuming yeah. like ten deer per square mile, yeah. right? Yeah. That's low. Yeah, I yeah. think of a good deer density. I think twenty five. Well, that's what, see what, what's crazy. Where I hunt in PA, I get into the farm country where they're 40, 30 deer per square yeah. mile. Yeah, then I'm up in the mountains where five. Yeah, it's yeah. culture yeah. shock. You know what I mean? It's yeah. two different things, and it's cool because I will see. Similar and different because I even the farm country, I've oh, yeah. two or three days in a row. I, to me personally, in the rut, I like to give a spot unless something I like. I told guys before, as you do this long enough, listen to your gut. But I'll give that gut's telling me two or three days in a spot, I'm going to stick it out there until I move. If it, everything's telling me to be here, 
Why am I going to move? I'm not going to move because it's cool. You know what I mean? I'm going to stick it out because I want to kill a buck. Yeah, you know what I mean? You got, guys got to realize that a little bit. You know what I mean? Sometimes getting these, I'm not saying they're fads. Being mobile oh, sure. all day, it works yeah, great. Yeah. Some of the greatest hunters in the world, like you look at Andre DeQuisto, who we're going down to see his boy, those yeah. guys move all the time. Yep. Now, they're in a pretty good area to hunt, don't get me wrong, but still, that works for them and they're confident. And I think a lot of times, too, that's what happens with a lot of this. If you're confident in that, that's key also. Right. Well, that's uh, when I started. Harmon Carson, he lives in Louisiana. <clears throat> he's the only guy I know that kills big deer where big deer don't exist. Mm-hmm. Like, he's killed Boone and Crockett deer in Louisiana with, yeah, with a longbow. something there. And so he's Jeez. the one that kind of coached me over the phone, and uh, I, it's still stuck with me to this day. Like, he told me, like, you're going down a rabbit hole. It's 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 all mental. Like, you got to stay positive. Yeah. You gotta, you, if yeah. you're going to think it, you're going to do it. Yeah. it and so that's how I had to learn to shoot my bow. Like oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this arrow there. This yeah. is where the arrow's going. And it's the same way with deer hunting. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do good. Yep. You got to stay positive. And, yeah. Confidence and, kills. And it's just like we were all yep. talking about, man. When you start grinding down, man, there's nothing wrong with, with taking a break. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Because yeah. I'm telling you, day day three, when I wake up that fourth morning, I'm drained. Yeah. I'm yep. drained. I know for dang sure the guys that we're going to talk to tomorrow, they take breaks. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You know, they grind out yeah. for a couple of days there. And, like, for me, like, when I'm mobile hunting three or four days in a row or whatever, not all day hunts or whatever, but there's days that I like to just go jump in a stand in the morning yeah. or something because yeah. I don't feel like bringing a stand yeah. in at 4 in the morning, 4.30. Yeah. takes me 20, 30 minutes to hang a stand in the pitch black, you know. So that's another thing, too, like having those set stands like you were talking about. It's nice to just pop up in a stand if you mm-hmm. sleep in a little bit. Crap, yeah. you know, I yeah. slept in my life. Yes, it saves you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I got like a prime example. This was years ago. I was bow hunting. This was private ground. So we're probably talking 2002, 2001. I was sick. And I was younger. And back then, it, I just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a stand hung. I did not have a far walk. I had about a 30 minute drive. And I was sick. I was throwing up. I should have never went. And I went, and I'll never forget it. I was up there trying not to throw up, and right at shooting light, I had a nice buck. I, he, but I never seen him. I never heard him. I just heard a, and he was, bow range. Yeah. If I would have been on my game. Yeah. And then, so I told myself, I'm like, I'm going to walk out in this cornfield because this cornfield had a big hill. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to walk behind that hill because I was just hunting little strips of woods. I was like, nothing will see me behind that cornfield. So I poke, I poke out, I look out in the field, and we're talking, it's early, 7.30. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I should have never been there. <clears throat> I don't see anything, nothing. I take five steps out, and I get... 20 yards out in this field, man, out pops a beautiful deer out of this creek. But when it come out of the creek, there was not trees on the either side. It was just walking the creek to creek. stay out of the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind he was going to walk past that tree I was at, that I was sitting in that I just got down. But, you know, it only took him about yeah. three seconds to see yeah. me from 100 yards, and I'm pretty sure he ran to the next county. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. for sure. Well, um, that's pretty much all I got on my outline. I don't, we're, we're up on an hour here. Um, with everything we've talked about, let's kind of wrap it up. 
Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, just if you want to, everything in a nutshell here, if guys, you know, they're listening to this just to become better hunters. I mean, you know, put the boots on the ground, put the time in, and, you know, be confident. I've said this before, you know, there's a lot of tactics out there. And we're going to meet a lot of guys tomorrow that are mm-hmm. killers. Yeah. Some are very mobile. They may move three, four times a day. Like I said, Andre, he's arguably one of the greatest bow hunters ever. Absolutely. And, but that, that style works for him. He has confidence. Yep. Me, I like to run hunt. You like to run. I like to run hunt. Yep. That's we're confident. But master something. Get good at something. Yep. Before turning the page on something new. You know, get real confident with something, and get something that works for your area and works for you, and get confidence. Because I talk to a lot of guys, they got it. They, they have it figured out, but they just not taking the next step because they don't have confidence in their ability or confidence in their setup stuff like that. Guys just got to get over that hump and be confident. That, that's that would be my yep. parting words here is, is is learn to get confident. Just go into the season. Don't worry about punching that tag. Don't don't stress over social media and all this bullshit. Yep. Be confident in everything you do, every set. No bullshit sets. Go in and be confident every day to kill. You know what I mean? Yep. Throughout the season. If you end the season without killing, who cares? You bust your ass off. Be proud of that. But yep. just get that confidence. Yep. What about you, Josh? I'm going to tell you, I got four kids, and... I'm going to tell you to put your family first. Um, mm-hmm. The moment that you put awesome. hunting or yeah. your sport before your family, yeah. you yeah. got priority messed up. Yeah. Right, yep. And then second of all, if whatever you're most passionate about in your life, whether it's bow hunting or golfing or whatever, whatever's holding you back from doing that, I would advise you to figure out how to change it. Just like me, going from working 83 hours a week to going back to school at the age of almost 40 so I can see my kids more and hunt more. That's the only reason yeah. I, I left a six-figure-a-year job. Mm-hmm. And just like Ryan said, don't don't get caught up in the hype. Who, who cares what somebody else says? Who cares what somebody else is doing? Set your own goals. Yep. Do your own thing. And you're... You're not gonna learn unless you get out there. You're gonna yeah. find the you're gonna find the success in your scouting, and that's all I got. Yeah, good points. Um, I'm just excited for tomorrow. You know, oh, yeah. uh, this is why we drive for four and a half hours, mm-hmm. and uh, and do this kind of stuff. Sleep in a a kind of a grungy hotel. And yeah. <laughs> they said three star. Um, I don't know about I that. Two. Look at over, look at My over favorite your part's shoulder, the duct tape window. I know. I've been watching some characters walk in out this window in here. So. Yep. <laughs> to right, right, right to the left of us, we got a broken window with yeah. duct tape that was ripped off. Yeah. I, I love that little part there. Yeah. yeah. It's really so, interesting. Yeah, we don't go till 10 o'clock tomorrow and then we can pretty much stay all day. I know it's Father's Day on Sunday, so mm-hmm. I don't know when I'm going to leave. I'll probably stay most of the day I'd imagine then yeah. probably head back but um, yeah it should be fun you know we, we got a lot of good speakers a lot of guys that I've followed for quite a while yeah. that I want to hear from and just listen and great learn and, a lot of great hunters I've talked oh, yeah. to some great of guys for this great oh yeah great guys fantastic yep. guys for sure cool well thanks for listening guys alright guys well there you have it I thought that was a pretty fun episode with those two guys they definitely know what they're talking about when it comes to whitetails and summer tactics trail cameras scrapes all that stuff um but yeah it was a blessing to go down there and uh you know drive drive the four or five hours um i'd do it all over again for sure to go down there and, and get that knowledge from those people um you know all those guys know what the heck they're talking about you know they've been hunting whitetails for 20 30 years um i was able to uh 
get down there with the Lone Wolf Custom Beer team and and uh, just learn some things and take some take some things back and use for this season. That's for sure. They're very knowledgeable, very humble people, and uh, you know they were there for us. Um, was able to get to uh, see the new gear from Lone Wolf Custom Beer and XOP as well, and uh, just hang around like-minded people. So it was definitely uh, definitely a blessing. But so the verse was out of Matthew. It's Matthew twelve thirty. It says, "Whoever is not with me." is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters and what that's talking about is uh you know you got two choices and uh my choice was to kind of lay my old self down and uh follow christ and uh my life has changed for the good uh you know and then the other choice would just be to uh you know follow the world and we know we all know where the following the world gets us uh it's not good so um yeah pretty awesome episode i just appreciate everybody listening um just stay tuned for uh what's going on in the future episodes i'm going to try to have jake bush on again we got to talk down there and uh a couple other guys i'm hoping there's some stuff in the works but hunting season coming up so it's time to get the cameras out there and uh do your scouting and it pays off so Appreciate you guys listening, and may God bless your hunt. The spirit of the woods is like an old good friend. Makes me feel warm and good inside. And I knew his name, and it was good to see him again. Cause in the wind, he's still alive. Oh, Fred Bear, walk with me. Down the trails again Take me back Back where I belong Oh, Fred Bear I'm glad to have you at my side, my friend And I'll join you in the big hunt before too long Before too long